Good Company is a production of iHeartRadio. I always like to get it down to what you can do is you can make a difference in one child's life. And part of that is just showing up. Hi, I'm Michael Casson. Welcome to Good Company, where I'll explore how marketing, media, entertainment, and tech are intersecting, transforming our lives and the way we do business at a breakneck speed. I'll be joined by some of the greatest business minds and strongest leaders who will share how they've built companies from the ground up or transformed them from the inside out. My bet is you'll pick up a lesson or two along the way. It's all good. It's a great pleasure for me to welcome Artis Stevens, the president and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters of America. Big Brothers Big Sisters of America is the largest youth mentoring organization in the U.S., and one that I'm extremely proud to be part of. As both a big brother and a new board member myself, I was humbled to learn that Big Brothers Big Sisters LA chapter has decided to bestow the 2021 Walt Disney Philanthropist of the Year Award on me. Kind of crazy, but I'm extremely proud of that, and I'm very excited to celebrate Big Brothers and Big Sisters and be a vehicle to help that celebration and support. Artists, thank you for joining me today. Michael, it is my pleasure to be on with you. And let me just be one of the additional voices to say congratulations on the award. We're so proud to honor you, my friend. Well, you're kind to say that, and I'm certain you've confused me with my evil twin brother, but I'll, I'll take it for <laughs> now. Uh, I'll take it for now. Artists, um, for those who are not familiar with Big Brothers and Big Sisters of America, can you talk around the work the organization does and, and how you personally are expanding that mission and how you have chartered your path, both personally and professionally, towards where you are today as, as the president and CEO of such an important organization? Yeah, absolutely. And and what I'll, what I'll first start off by saying is that uh, as you mentioned, this organization is profoundly impactful. You know, it's been around for more than 100 years. And what a lot of people don't know, Michael, is that we were started as an alternative innovation to the juvenile justice system. And why that's so important is because our mission was really focused on the young people at the time, 100 years ago, that were most marginalized in our country, the kids that were most vulnerable. But it was always built around the idea of innovation and was built around the idea of equity and creating more equity for young people. We, you know, we talk about this idea of being born from justice to create more equity for young people, bringing together diverse communities so that every kid feels included. You know, you take those letters, right? Jedi, right? Justice, equity, diversity, inclusion, and being the type of organization that really focuses on impacting young people's lives. And if you fast forward a, a hundred years, we're still doing that. The values, the demographics may have changed. Some cultural things in our country may have changed, but the values of what kids need in terms of access to powerful, positive adult relationships, none of those things have changed. They become even more important in the world that we live in today. So, you know, our organization has now grown to be the largest mentoring organization in the uh, country. Uh, we do things in terms of transforming lives for thousands of young people through the relationships they have with a big and a little. The big is the volunteer adult. The little is the young person. And, you know, what I'll tell you is that my journey for me has been part of this, this, this continuity uh, of connection 
which is my story is all about mentorship. It's all about connection. It's all about what young people need today. And I'm so proud to be the leader of this organization, to be able to provide guidance and support, but to be connected in it because I know the incredible work that our local agencies do on the ground every single day and impacting young people. And for me, that's an honor. Well, artists, you know, no different than we advise folks in the marketing industry about the importance today, but always, but particularly today, around transparency, around trust, and most importantly, maybe, I'm sure these are all probably equal in importance, authenticity. Having somebody like yourself in this role in a leadership position and the megaphone that that affords you on behalf of the organization is about as authentic as it gets. And I'm going to speak personally to this. When you and I met through the good offices of our mutual friend, Jackie Kelly, um, known by many in our audience, I'm certain, you know, in my best attempt for a Renee Zellweger moment, you had me at hello. It wasn't hard for you to get my attention just as I listened to you articulate why. And you know this, I had the good fortune of being involved with Big Brothers and Big Sisters for many, many years. In addition, you know, the larger community, a big supporter of Jewish Big Brothers and Sisters and have worked diligently across all aspects of mentoring in my life. And not only through an organizational mentoring, but I'm proud to say there are many people in our industry and in the larger business community that look at me as, as a mentor. I'm not sure they look at me as a big, but I'm fortunate and I take those the opportunities very seriously when people of any age, but particularly young people, need that guidance, need that help, need that mentoring, need that, that adult. You know, I'm, I like to kid around and say I'm a Toys R Us kid, but I think I can give adult supervision in many instances. And again, the authenticity is so important. And you, you are the manifestation of authentic. So thank you. Most well, Michael, listen, I, I will, what you just said just is it, spot on. And, you know, what I'll say is that if, if you think about all your listeners right now, right, many of us can think about mentors or a group of mentors, right, that's helped to shape our life, that helped to give us that nudge, that helped to maybe even sometimes take us off the wrong track and put us on the right track. Right. And, and what, you know, you have, have done and inspired for so many uh, as well. But I, I even think about myself. Right. I was I'm the youngest in a, a large family, uh, eight of us. Right. My dad was a preacher. My granddad was a preacher. Everyone asked me if I was going to be a preacher. And I'll never forget because I asked my dad when I was seven years old. And I asked my dad, I said, do I need to be a preacher like you? And I'll never forget what he told me. He said, everyone has their ministry in this world. You have to find yours. Right. And that stuck with me because it gave me this sense of empowerment, this sense of encouragement that I wasn't trapped, right, in terms of what was expected of me, even generational, or what was expected of me in my community. My mom and dad used to always say, hey, you know, we're not, we don't have a lot of means in our family, but we're rich in relationships. And what they meant by that was absolutely my immediate family, but they were talking about the community, the village that was around me. And it was that very same village that helped me to be the first in my family to go to college and to graduate, right? That that is the essence and the idea of what mentorship can do in our country when you give kids the access to positive relationships. And I am truly a testament of that. 
and proud to be in and now leading this organization, as you shared, is one that I want to make sure that the thousands of kids that we're serving all across this country have the same access and the kids that we're not have the same very access to those types of opportunities, whether we're serving them or not. So let's talk about those numbers for a moment, Artis. Uh, my understanding is in a 2020 impact report, Big Brothers Big Sisters shared that it had served nearly 110,000 children across the country. And those littles, the, the ones that participated in the survey, reported significant improvements in their own educational journeys in risk behavior reduction, which I love the concept of risk behavior reduction, and you know, socioeconomic competency, the things, the tools, the toolkits that anybody needs of any age, of any shape, of any size, of any color, you need those tools. You need the, the opportunities that that toolkit affords you. And you know, impacting 110,000 kids is quite a feat. And I understand even as an adjunct to that or as a, a sub-question to that, there's 30,000 plus kids on a waiting list. What can we do when you've got that sort of a demand, you know, when I say we, I mean the larger community, you know, when you have that sort of a demand uh, of 30,000 kids on a wait list, that's on the one hand exciting, on the other hand, it's daunting. 30,000 kids, you know, you can equate that to the size of some mid-sized city, right? When you think about it, that it that is a number of kids. And by the way, most of those kids, 30,000, most of them are boys, right? They're boys looking for mentors and looking for, for male mentors and men who will make those types of connections, just so we give that, that, that number even a bit more context. You know, to your, to your question about what can we do, I love that question. Part of what we can do is show up, right? Like, I always love to simplify this because I think one of the hardest challenges of, of becoming a mentor is because you think it's so daunting, right? That the idea of even when we look at those numbers, I always like to get it down to what you can do is you can make a difference in one child's life. And part of that is just showing up, right? That what our mentors tell us all the time, what our bigs tell us all the time is that they go into it and they walk into it thinking about what am I going to be able to do to, to build? I don't have these skills. I can't do all these different things. And what they find out is that when they build this relationship, half of the battle is just showing up and being present. Some, sometimes that's two, two times a month and making a connection in the child's life. And what they find is that once they sit down, they're talking to the, the child and the child is telling them things. They're learning just as much and getting just as much from the relationship as they're giving. And, you know, some of that is just the steps of building any kind of relationship and getting to know someone and building the model. Now, I will say one of the things that we've done as a national network is try to build a model, which we call one-to-one -one plus. And what for, for the volunteer and the mentor, what that means is you're not in alone, meaning that you may build a relationship, but you also have the support of the staff person who's helping you, providing guidance, providing support, providing ways you can engage with your, your little and do activities. You also have the support of the parent and the staff supports the parent connection so that you have that person that you know who's also supporting you and partnering with you from a parental household perspective. And then what we do is bring in the services of the community because we know that our kids, they're facing more than just the sense of the lack of a relationship. Sometimes they're facing some really tough issues that may be at home, maybe the lack of even having things like food or, or maybe requires other types of services. So what we're doing is we can't provide it alone, but we can partner with other organizations so that when our volunteers see things, we're able to bring in those services to support our kids 
and to support the community as well. So well, it, I always hope people step one is showing up. I think that's so true because when you look at that number of 30,000 kids on a waiting list, again, interesting factoid that it's mostly young boys. It's daunting, as I said earlier. And if you're somebody looking to get involved, you go, okay, but what difference can I make with 30,000 kids? And the answer is one step at a time, one kid at a time, one community at a time, one relationship connectivity at a time. All of those things that we try to do, I mean, you've answered the question elegantly and brilliantly. You don't have to solve 30,000, but you can solve one, and you're helping in that regard. Let me ask a question, and this is personal to you. My understanding is in the 120-plus year, minus, plus or minus 20-year, 120-year history of Big Brothers, Big Sisters, you were the first black CEO of this organization. The timing of that is phenomenal in terms of the lens that we are all looking through and the opportunity, and you and I have had this conversation, the opportunity that is being presented, not the challenge or the problem, but the opportunity for all of us to open our aperture and look at things through a a more diverse lens. That was a big statement, and congratulations to you. I'd like to think in these things, the the decisions that are made are colorblind. They should be. It's the right person for the job. But, you know, the timing of this is so important as we look at the need for all of us to have that, as I say, that open aperture to a more diverse makeup of leadership, of opportunities at entry level, at any level. Would you say that that's something that's more important or less important? Does it change the focus of the group? Does it change? I'm guessing it doesn't change the focus, but does it change the way people focus and look at the group? Maybe that's the better question. I'll just give you a quick example of it. But personally, when I was growing up, I had mentors of all backgrounds, of all experiences. And some mentors I had who didn't look like me or come from my background at all. And it helped to expose me to the world in different places uh, that, that I had no idea about, right? And it, it, it helped me to build bridges to places and build bridges to the communities. And then there was seeing people who looked like me, right? Because I didn't see that a lot where I was growing up. I didn't see that on TV. I didn't see it in some of the leadership positions outside of some of the, the anchors that were in my community. And it was important because what it did, it gave me the type of vision that I could do the same thing, right? Because someone from my experience, from my background, who looked like me could do it. It gave me the confidence that I could do it as well and possibly even exceed it, right? And that's what I think is so critical about, about this, this position and this role. I think from one part, it certainly is historical. I always tell people it's the first, but it's definitely not the last, right? The idea is to set a legacy so that more young people, more people, professionals can see the opportunity, whether they look like me or not, they see the idea of breaking barriers and that breaking barriers in our country is something to be applauded, but it's not the only step. It's only a step in the way for us to break more barriers and truly achieve where we need to advance in society, where one day this doesn't even become the conversation. We're not at that day yet. But the ultimate goal is be at the, the day that this doesn't become a conversation anymore. But I'm proud that it is today because it helps to set the marker for the future. And it helps to set the marker for millions of kids who see, hey, if he can do it, not only can I do it, I can exceed it and do it even well, more. Well, 
when do we get to a point where we don't have to talk about you being black and the first CEO of this organization in 120 years? When do we get to look at you and just say, you're the new CEO of the organization? Isn't that great? That's the goal. It is ideally the goal. And, and here's the thing about goals, right? They take milestones, steps, progress to ultimately get there, right? And the place that we are right now is it's important for us to embrace and talk about the sense of identity. It's important for us to talk about the sense of representation, because if you don't talk about it, you can never make the progress to get exactly where you're talking about, Michael, to the ultimate goal. So that's why I feel like even in this role, right, when people have asked me about it, like, okay, 117 years, you know, you're the first Black CEO, right? Do do you want it to be sort of couched in in that way? Well, I, I embrace it. And the reason I embrace it is because, one, it's important for us to acknowledge it. It's important, not for me, but it's important for us to acknowledge milestones, breaking barriers, and getting to the place. Because if we don't acknowledge it and embrace it, we never make the steps and the mount and the progress to ultimately get to the goal that we want to get to. Absolutely. Um, let me switch gears to the old adage I learned from a friend of mine who's a famous lawyer in the entertainment industry when he says, it's not about the money, it's about the money, okay? And I always love that expression. In the annual Bigger Together conference in June, you announced $2.6 million of collective investments from some very important partners, UPS, KFC, Merrill, The Express, you know, real bold-faced corporate support. Is there a plan for the deployment of those investments? And what are you planning, uh, artists, in terms of upgrades or moves for the organization that, you know, some additional capital can afford you? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. And, And let me start off by saying this. One of the biggest areas of transformation in our country, particularly in this area of mentorship and the opportunity with young people, is corporate America, right? And I want to say that very clearly to your listeners because when you think about the, the nexus here, you're talking about the nexus of organizations like mine who provide and feed the, the opportunity and access to young people. You look at corporations who are looking to, for ways to build their pipeline for the next wave of workers uh, engaging their employees effective. And then directly the young people who are at this stage and at this point of looking to say, how do I upskill? How do I get the right types of, of development and growth so that I can be ready for the next wave of jobs and opportunities and experiences that if you put those things in that perfect nexus, it's a way for incredible benefit that helps our society overall. Now, in terms of this investment, here's where we're looking to go over the next several years. First of all, it's about acceleration of growth, right? Growing to reach more kids who need us, but also growing to deepen the impact, right? The outcomes. We got three core outcomes that we're looking at nationally to support young people. One is in post-secondary readiness, meaning are they ready for the things that are either college, career, entrepreneurship, uh, enlistment type of focus. And what we're seeing is we're the largest provider of of workplace mentoring today in the country, meaning working with companies to go in their workplaces and provide mentoring programs and connections. But let me tell you this, Michael, the fastest growing population that we're serving, right? We serve five to 18 traditionally. The fastest growing population that we're serving today is 18 to 25 year old kids, right? These young people who are graduating high school, what's happening is they're saying, we're looking for more opportunities. We need access. We need uh, relations, but we're not sure how to get there. So our programs that we're starting to pilot and scale and where we're using this investment from is the scale programs that not only stop at high school graduation, 
but then goes on to say, how do we build a type of momentum that allows 18 to 25 year olds to have that platform and that on-ramp to other types of mentoring and support services for career development? The second place is technology enhanced mentoring, virtual mentoring. Uh, and what we're seeing, we've seen that through the pandemic, but for us, it wasn't simply about the pandemic. It was about what happens after the pandemic. How do we support and supplement what we do in person with young people with technology build out. So one of the biggest things that we're building right now is basically a technology hub that allows us to do online digital curriculum, enhance our curriculum for young people more virtually, and then give mentors real-time ways to be able to connect with young people, interact with parents, as well as interact with staff using an iPhone, right? Or using some type of a, a digital tablet or a computer in a way to be able to virtually engage and access. And then the third one and the final one is that we need community and we need volunteers. And one of the biggest ways for us to bring the volunteers we needed to the table, alumni, people who've been connected to this mission. So alumni and champions are people who have just a champion cause for mentoring. So we're launching a national alumni and champions initiative uh, next year. And we're working on sort of the, the bones of it right now, but it's going to be all about things in terms of getting career mentors for young people, making connections for more volunteering, getting people to donate and invest in supporting matches uh, as well. The reason why those three core components are so important is that ultimately, if we're going to grow to serve more kids, we got to have the volunteers, we got to have the technology that supports it, and we got to have the programming that are interest-based and needs-based for both our kids as well as the communities and the corporations and entities that we support and serve. Here's what I'd say. If I were gauging the return on the investment and it just tied it to those three extraordinarily well-articulated initiatives, I would say the return on investment is going to be massive. And I would say, count me in for helping get more of those large investments because the kind of application of those funds to what you just said is extraordinary and inspiring because it, you're right. It's not only the help, and this is such a key element of what you've just said, Artis, it's not only the help in the five to 18 year old, it's that person who now does finish post-secondary. I hadn't heard that expression before, but post-secondary. And you know, here they are saying, okay, great, what do I do now? And they don't have that connectivity and they don't have the ability. You can only imagine how many calls I get, including three over this past weekend from friends who say, I have a kid who needs help. Can you make a connection for me? People have access to me in the business community. I get those calls and those outreaches all the time. And we need to give so many other kids the ability to have somebody like me or better than me to make those calls, to make that connection, to make that opportunity come to life. Yeah. And, and you said something else, and, I, and I'm going to pick on you for a, for a second here, Michael. Sorry. The responsibility that, that we all have, right? Because remember, so, much of, so many of us have been given so much to get to the place that we are today. The responsibility that we have is to give that back, right? Absolutely. So there's a lot of reasons why we can say we don't have the time, right? Or, or, or we can't commit to this or we can't commit to that. But I look at someone like you right, who's mentored so many people in the professional career, personally as well. But you also decided, even with everything that you have going on, to join the Big Brothers Big Sisters of America's board, right? Like that 
is commitment and passion because you see the responsibility and you see the impact and the influence that you can have to impact more lives. Now, I'm not saying that everybody has to do that, right? But the, the sense of saying, what can I commit to? What can I share? What can I contribute of myself to ensure that young people have the opportunity to access? That's what's going to make the difference in our country. It's people like you and that type of mindset and that mentality that's truly going to make the difference in terms wow. of making the change that we need. You're kind to say that, artist. And, you know, I've got a couple of expressions that I've used with you before. When people say to me um, that they don't have the time for whatever it is you're asking them, my general answer is, well, that's actually not true. What you mean to say is you didn't choose to allocate the time, number one. And so I do believe you can find time to do the things that matter. And I have lived my whole life, I'm proud to say, with something I learned from my parents and my grandparents, which was when you have the opportunity as a result of doing well, you have to do good, number one. And number two, I've always tried to split my life into thirds, a third for my family, a third for my business, and a third for my community. And there are times when it's not precise. There's times when you're spending 70% of your time on your family or 100% of your time or on your business or on your community. But when you look at kind of the lay of the land and across a period of time, it's a good, it's a good metric. It's a good KPI, you know, a, a key performance indicator for what you're doing if you can look at life through that lens. And again, not everybody has the good fortune to be able to do that, but everybody can find time to allocate to helping somebody else. So that's my belief. And even somebody down on their luck, their luck might change if they determine that there's a way to help somebody else. So I'm a believer and artist. I know our audience will agree with the statement I'm about to make, because I said it earlier, and you know how I feel. I've always been committed to the organization, but meeting you and getting to know you and understanding your journey and your commitment, and your passion, and your intellect, and your, what's the French word, je ne sais quoi, that hard thing to capture, is going to make and continue, is making and is going to continue to make an extraordinary contribution to Big Brothers, Big Sisters. And I'm just, I feel fortunate to be getting closer to you and closer to the organization. So I want to thank you for that, because going back to what I said at the beginning, you had me at hello. And I know our audience will agree you'll have them at hello. Artist Stevens, I want to thank you genuinely for spending time sharing your, your experience and your passion. So thank you. Thank you, my friend, and appreciate you having me. I'm Michael Kasson. Thanks for listening to Good Company. Good Company is a production of iHeartRadio. A special thanks to Lena Peterson, Chief Brand Officer and Managing Director of MediaLink, for her vision on Good Company. And to Jen Seeley, Vice President Marketing Communications of MediaLink, for programming amazing talent and content. Good Company is edited by Jessica Kreinchich. 